0: This is Banging on the Drum. Welcome to episode 13 of Banging on the Drum. In this episode, we interview Packers writer and analysis, Dusty Evely. Uh Dusty gave us a great interview. Uh, he really knows his shit. It was It was probably my favorite interview so far. I think I I could say that pretty confidently. It went very smooth for uh the banging on the drum standards. So yes. so that was a plus. Uh Mike, what do you what do you think of the interview?
1: Yeah, so it we definitely messed up less than we normally do. And he was very honest stuff, knew all of his, like everything that we asked him, he was right on cue, like he was on top of it. And he, he was an awesome interview. Awesome.
0: Yeah. You'll, you'll even see with the Packers trivia. I was, I was pretty surprised, but we'll, we'll get to that real soon. Um, we don't want to bury this one. Riley, what do you think of the
2: interview? I, like Mike said, he was just on top of his game. He was interesting to listen to. I, I kind of want just to sit back and listen to you guys talk the whole time, but that's how much I was enjoying it. But it was no. nice to have someone like him on the podcast that genuinely like cared about our success going forward as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was super nice to us. Yeah. Um, you'll see I was
1: actually you- surprised at the one uh Packers trivia that he missed. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. that one surprised me. I thought like he gets the first to I'm like, he's got that last one. Easy.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, you got we won't spoil that. But yeah, I kind of wish we had like 30 more questions for us because it looked like he would sit and talk to us all day. Yeah, he's just super cool dude. But that all being said, we don't want to bury his interview. So we are going to go right into it. So here we go right into the Dusky Evely interview. I hope you guys enjoy Now, welcoming to the show a very special guest, Packers writer and analysis. You can see his work on Cheesehead TV, the Packer Report, and the Pack-A-Day podcast, Dusty Evely. How are you doing, Dusty? And is there anything else you want us to plug here?
3: (laughs) No, I think that's about it, man. Uh, It's off-season, so I'm not really writing anywhere at the moment. Um, No, it's good. No, yeah, thanks for having me, man. Uh, Excited to talk to you guys. It's, you know, off season, we got Super Bowl coming up, but uh man, I always take a chance to talk Packers if I can. So appreciate it, man.
1: Heck yeah, yeah. when it comes to the Packers, it's definitely the off season,
3: which <laughs> is disappointing. Yeah. yeah, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate.
0: Sad one this year. So we're uh notoriously slow starters with our guests. So what we like to do, we like to start it off with a little trivia, get things a little bit uh loose. So are you ready for your trivia?
3: I'm real bad at trivia, man. So I'm as ready as I can be.
0: So we're going to start with Packers stuff. So, so hopefully it's right up your alley. And if Let's you see. do too good, we got one question that we'll see if we can stump you with. Fair enough. So what down in distance was made in famous amongst Packers fans on January 11th, 2004?
3: It's uh 4th and 26th, isn't it? Yep. First down, Freddie, Freddie. Yeah. Freddy. Freddy, yeah. Uh, so Fred X one, had the little, uh, the, did, the, did the, did he do the belt? I feel yeah, like he, he did, did the, the belt, belt for right? Rogers. Rodgers. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, so second question. So you're one for one. Um, what, or in what year were the Green Bay Packers founded? I don't think I would have got this one if I didn't look it up today.
3: It's, uh, well, 1919, and then they are incorporated NFL in 1921, I believe, right?
0: Look at you, going above and beyond. Do you know the exact date in 1919?
3: Oh, uh, I'm going to take a stab. I'm going to say August 11th. Holy. Sh-
0: yeah, holy shit. Is that right? Yeah, right on. Nailed it. So, nice. I work. watched a docu.
3: I watched a documentary recently, so some of that's still <laughs> kicking around in my brain.
0: <laughs> I think all these Packers ones are going to be too easy for you then. So, this is the last Packers one. So, what was the final score of Super Bowl One?
3: Oh, uh, I say, is that thirty-five, thirteen? Ooh, close. 35-10. Okay, okay.
0: So, so right in the. That's ballpark. on me. So I'm going to
3: kick myself over that one. I looked into that quite a bit last off season. It's just, I'm, <laughs> information left me.
0: Yeah, I mean three points. So, <laughs> yeah, close enough. I think that one sticks in my head. So maybe I would have got that. But. <laughs> All right, so this one, this has nothing to do with the Packers. This is just what we ask all of our guests. So do you know what year the Magna Carta was signed?
3: Oh, man, I always forget this. Is it 1525? 1215,
0: but the 15 in there. So, yeah, (laughs) so, I mean, you had some knowledge of it, but kick it over to Mike for the horror
1: film. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, we'll get started with some of that. Uh, we understand you're a big horror film guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So for me, I watched Scream probably when I was in like the fifth grade, right? Sure, sure. And I subsequently slept on my parents' bedroom floor for like six months. Sure. Sure. Um. So, what is it about scary movies that really draws you?
3: I don't know, man. Um, I came to it relatively late. I watched some horror as a kid. Um, my my parents are very conservative, so not at their house, but sleepovers. Um, my cousin's house, we remember watching uh, Evil Dead 2 and Dead Alive at my cousin's house at a way too young of an age. Um, <laughs> And and it didn't really draw me in. It was really zombie movies. I think it was in my mid-20s. And it was uh I, I remember watching the it was a <laughs> real lame place to start. The Dawn of the Dead remake and then also The Ring, where I watched those relatively close to each other. Uh and so the, for some reason those kind of drew me in. I know the the thing about horror I know that a lot of people will point to, and I try to uh claim because it sounds smart, it allows you to deal with like real life fears in a, in a relatively safe space. Um, these things are not happening to you, but you get to go through these emotions and you get to kind of deal with these things. And that's, that's not really why I watch them. I don't really know why I watch them. I think the bar is uh, the floor is higher for a horror movie. If I watch a bad drama or a bad comedy, that's just a bad movie. And I'm mad because I wasted my time. Even like the worst horror movies. I, I watched this movie called the blood gnome, like on godly terrible movie but still enjoyable so i feel like i can throw one on i kind of feel like i know what i'm getting and i'm gonna at least find something enjoyable about it kind of the same thing as like a bad action flick like even the bad ones i can enjoy whereas a bad comedy is just like i don't feel dirty after that so i think that's i think that's what it is i at least know i'm getting something that's gonna be worth my time in one way shape or form and also maybe i like blood i'm not sure no no no
1: all right. So Dusty is recommending Blood Gnome for everybody out there. Go out and watch Blood Gnome.
3: <laughs> Please do not watch Blood Gnome.
0: <laughs> See, one thing I can't deal with is stabbing. Like that's that's the part of the horror movies that gets me. Like if someone gets shot right in the like right in between the mm-hmm. eyes, doesn't bother me at all. Like you take a knife to someone that grosses me out.
3: Yeah, don't watch. I was a black Codes daughter, black Codes daughter very like visceral stabbing scene that one made me uncomfortable and i typically don't have an issue with stabbing so don't watch that one i guess
1: i'll stay away all right dusty if you created a serial killer what would he use for a weapon and how would he be defeated
3: oh man um I like the idea of like him using his wits and like a found weapon. Like, I really like the idea of just like a, I don't know. He finds a stick in the woods and fashions in it. just like some kind of just terrible spear with like three or four spikes sticking out of it. And he's defeated by uh, the power of love, I guess, Uh, defeated by (laughs) a a final girl, Uh, you know, a final girl kind of you know, outwits him, kind of we will do the old slash variety slasher trope. She leads him in through the woods and he kind of follows her and she, I don't know, she, let's say she sets a trap for him. We're going to make her a little more uh, kind of like Aaron from your next kind of sets him up a little bit. Maybe she outsmarts him and then she, uh, I don't know, stabs him to death with his own pole. That's, that seems symbolic. I think that's good.
1: All right. I was kind of hoping you were going to go with like bees or something like that, (laughs) controlled bees, but.
3: That's already well, been okay. Candyman, man man that's already been done like yeah. Oh
1: well okay see I don't watch these things cuz I get terrified right um all right if Aaron Rodgers was a character in a horror film who would he be He's the killer right I mean uh, so is there a specific killer that he
3: Uh so there's a I don't think it's, it's little known. It's, it's not an uber popular movie. It's called behind the mask, the rise of Leslie Vernon. And it's a, it's a movie where it follows. It's a mockumentary for the first hour and it follows a serial killer in the mold of Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers, and he's setting up. So you walk with him and he's setting up basically for the big kill. He's got this event he's going to kill on. He's doing all the, he's running you through all the tropes. He's, you know, he's, he's nailing the, the window shut on the first floor. So they have to go up to the second floor and he's got the rooms all set up and all that stuff very funny guy uh very charismatic guy because you see him without his mask on that that it seems like aaron Rodgers. like he's very kind of he'd think it out he think he, he would think it out but also like he's just he just kind of a smart aleck and just would like to talk too much about it so he wants to tell you all the stuff that's going on so i'll go uh go leslie vernon we'll do that what what movie is that from i might actually check that one out it's called behind the mask the rise of leslie vernon it's got um quite a few different uh horror people in it i know. Um, uh god what am I? i'm blanking on his name robert Englund, the guy who plays freddy krueger plays a doctor in it the guy who played jason Voorhees is in it for a bit uh zelda rubenstein from the poltergeist movie is in it so kind of a who's who of some horror people in there but really well done that's one of my uh my favorite ones to say i think there is some stabbing though just fair warning
0: all right i'm checking that one out all the big dogs in it. i'm not too big on horror films
1: but that's
3: a good it's funny right. it's that's a good one i like that one a
1: lot oh speaking ahead, of friend. funny horror films um this is one that I enjoyed. It's more of a comedy than it is a horror. But uh have you watched Tucker and Dale versus Evil and did you enjoy it?
3: I've I've seen that movie uh about 5 times. Yeah, I love that movie to death. I'm a big fan of of any movie that takes um kind of plays on those tropes where it's these you, you kind of get that cuz Tucker and Dale is basically the, the backwoods, uh, killers, and then you just see it from their perspective. So you get those in flips. So you get the, the, you, you kind of get how the movie generally looks and you kind of flip those conventions a little bit. And the cast of that movie is just so, so good, man. I love that movie.
1: Yeah. That's a, that's a great one. I enjoyed it immensely. It's really funny. All
0: right. We're going to shift gears a little bit. We're going to get into the football stuff. So I want to kind of get into like wh- what got you into sports media and what got, like, how'd you get your start, I guess? Cause I've seen you on like with uh, Nagler mm-hmm. and um, yeah, just <laughs> on with that, with Nagler. and
3: Sure. The group. Uh, yeah. I mean, I really just kind of started. I've been doing it for, um, God, I don't know, nine or 10 years now, I guess it started as a hobby. I mean, back then, and it really wasn't that long ago. The landscape was relatively barren in terms of if it wasn't one of the main uh, sites, you know, it was, you know, Sports Illustrated, ESPN, something like that. There wasn't really a whole lot of football stuff. And then even then the in-depth kind of the X's and O's that was, I, I kind of started getting curious about that. There was a um, football outsiders article. The year the Packers went to the Super Bowl and there's a use of uh, full house formation, which is um, three man backfield basically two up backs and then, then, then a guy behind them and how they use that and the different variations they used off of that. And it was, I think during the playoff run, uh, Mike, Mike Tanya wrote that article. And that's the first time I was like, Oh, okay. You can look at this game from a slightly different way. So I was 2010 and they released the film. So I started kind of digging into it in 11 and they released the coaches film, I think in 2012. So I bought it. I think that year it was 50 bucks, something like that. And I never intended to write. It was just kind of a, I'm curious about this. I want to see, I was always curious about um, the things that happen that you can't see when there's a big play. What happened? Why was there the bust? How does this one thing influence the other? I was curious about the play of wide receivers and safeties when the ball wasn't going to them. Cause you don't get a chance to see that too much. So I did the film, started looking into it like real primitive, man. Um, I had a, a first generation iPad. And I would just go through plays. I had the coach's film. I'd go through the whole game. I would sit in a chair and I would just snapshot all these different things. So I'd have for one play, I'd have 20 snapshots and you just see every piece along the way. So I'd watch these plays on repeat and then just kind of look at these. And so I started kind of piecing together. I didn't know anything about football, like beyond just that I like watching football. No terminology, no nothing. It was just kind of a, I'm curious about how this works. And I got to a point not long after I started doing that, where I thought, if if I'm curious about this, I assume other people are as well. So I started writing a little blog, me and my friend, and I just kind of fell into some other stuff, reached out to a couple guys. One guy picked me up, that site fell apart. So I got picked up by a couple other sites and just kind of, of muddled my way through. So, I mean, whatever it is, nine years later, I mean, there's podcasts all over the place. There's people writing about this from a film perspective all over the place. So, I changed my lane somewhat. I was kind of doing general film stuff, and then more people started popping up and doing that stuff, and I didn't want to be the guy who did what everyone else was doing because what's the point of me if <laughs> if everyone else is doing the same thing roughly. So, and it was at that point, I think this was before I was at she said I started doing okay, that was the towards the end of the McCarthy era. And it was this, okay, is this the McCarthy's offense? The thing you kept hearing is McCarthy's offense. The passing concepts are bad and outdated, but I never saw anything about that. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to look at passing game now. So I started, I pivoted a passing game, which helped me out a ton. So I started doing, reading books and watching coaching clinics about specifically the passing game, some of the terminology, the concepts, why things work, why things work against different coverages, that kind of thing. So, and that, I mean, if I were to start over again, I think I would have started there, like find my niche, find my lane. What's the one thing that I don't see out there, but I'm super interested and I have questions about. So if that's again, so that's, it's, that's a long story, but that's kind of how I started was just, I'm curious about this thing. I'm curious about football because no one was writing about it.
0: Yeah. And no, that's- I just
3: are looking. So that, that's kind of, that's what, so I, I had no intention to write, had no intention to do any of this. I was just, just kind of curious. And I, throughout all of this, I've just been, I want to write about stuff that I'm curious about. I want to look into stuff that I'm curious about and I hope other people find it interesting at some point. And if they don't, at least I'm learning something. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of where I'm at.
1: I know oh, I do.
0: Yeah. Thank no, you. I loved it. Once we, we discovered you and got to read some of your articles, like I was talking about the the stick route and yeah. just learning about that stuff. Cause I, I had no clue. So, so with that, like during the season, do you get like the all 22 stuff? Mm-hmm. weekly okay so yeah i do
3: and they they they've been real wonky with it but you can get it through game pass it's like 100 bucks a year or something and they usually release that all 22 and it had been day after the game and this year they're real nasty with it and it was like two to three sometimes four days after a game they release it but anyone can get it it's just it's 100 bucks through game pass and they i don't know man they overhauled their entire thing this year as far as how you get it and it's just an absolute nightmare but It's still there.
0: (laughs) All right. I think I'm going to leave it to just listening to you talk about it. (laughs) So, and you did, you mentioned reading some books about that. So if you had to recommend, so for someone looking into being Mm -hmm. able to break down plays and recognize certain coverages, certain, certain formations, what is one or maybe two books that you would recommend for someone that's getting started on, on trying to recognize and understand the game of football a little bit better?
3: the one I always go to start with it's um, called take your eye off the ball by Pat Kerwin. It's uh, been around for a while. There's a second version out now and it kind of gets into, I mean, very basic. Like at the beginning, it's here's what a personnel grouping is. You hear stuff about they were in 21 personnel. And like, okay. What, what does that mean? And 21 personnel, it's the way you count personnel. It's two running backs, the number of running backs, the number of tight ends. And then you just basically assume that the wide receivers are the rest. So 21 personnel would be two running backs, one tight end, two wide receivers, Here's your eligibles there. And so like the first chapter kind of covers some of that stuff. Here's personnel grouping. Here's what it means. Here's how some of this different, different stuff looks. And then the rest of it, the rest of the book, then some of it takes you through what does a quarterback's week look like kind of game planning stuff, but it's a real good um, kind of primer into diving deeper a little bit. It doesn't get that deep into specific, you know, routes, route concepts, anything like that. But as far as like how the game works um, and, and watching the game a different way, that's that's the one that for me like i read that well that's one of the first ones i read i i came up i was reading chris brown's stuff he used to uh, write with grantland he's uh smart football you wrote with grantland he's got his own blog he kind of resurfaces every now and then but his stuff's good but once kerwin stuff like that was a it's a quick read and so it kind of got me into that world without you know feeling like i was dumb a lot of football books it's I start reading it and I get lost in the terminology and just, just close it. So Kerwin does a really good job on making that stuff understandable. Um, and the other one, I don't know if it's necessarily like, I think it's a different view of it is called uh, the genius of desperation by Doug Farrar, where he takes you through. Doug was a um, he's with touchdown wire now, but he was one of the early football outsiders guys. And it's basically a history of the league as told through different schematic innovations. And so he starts very, very early and you get this, the the, uh, the story of it is almost like a push pull. It's this, uh, this thing happened, you know, the defense started doing this. So the offense adjusted, and the offense adjusted. And so they kind of did this. It's like, there's this, there's this major innovation of the offense, which caused the defense to then have to do an innovation because they're being t- killed by that. And so you get this kind of history of the league through the push pull of innovations on both sides of the ball. So, you get some of the schematic stuff, you know, not diving too deep into some of that, but enough to kind of get your feet wet while also getting a history of the league. That book, tremendous. I reference that one quite a bit.
0: Okay. Good to know. Yeah. I find that very interesting, especially like just the history of the game. Like, mm-hmm. and just hearing you say that, it kind of reminds me so the Packers 2010, 2011 run when the defense kind of switched to like more of a nickel look. I mean, I might be uh, sounding dumb just talking about this, but you know, when you had Charles Woodson, the third Mm -hmm. cornerback playing kind of almost like half cornerback, half linebacker, but, but I remember just thinking that was like Mm -hmm. the smartest and coolest design when you had someone that could tackle as well as Woodson um, Mm -hmm. and, and Nick Collins. I think that's just, with science like huge Sam shields plus. on the outside yeah.
3: like that's well that's the other thing you learn through some of this too i mean you dive into as much of the scheme as much of the history as you want and then it's also what's the, what's the saying it's not x's and o's it's jimmy and joe's and that it's yeah. it's a combination of the both it's got to be a good scheme and good players but i mean you saw that that 2010 scheme with woodson doing that stuff that didn't look quite as good when they had carlos hyde kind of doing uh, yeah. <laughs> stuff because he's not a hall of famer so it's it's kind of a it's kind of you can yeah. try to marry some of that stuff as well. You need the players to run it, um, but yeah, it's yeah, it's very it's the looking at the history of that stuff is just fascinating.
1: A lot of teams are looking for that that type of player though that can play mm-hmm. linebacker and safety. I mean, we see that with Micah Parsons or uh, is it Simmons in Arizona?
3: Yeah, like uh, JOK O.K. JOK in Cleveland too, right? More or less. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, you but- can, can do a lot defensively with that. I mean, if you, you kind of get that, you can disguise a ton with that. So if you can find that guy, it's just, that guy's kind of a unicorn.
0: <laughs> oh Yeah. yeah, And I think that Nick Collins loss was just way bigger than, than people like look back at it and just don't realize. I got some hot takes about Nick Cox going down, but anyways, we'll, we'll move a little bit forward. I'll quit sidetracking us. But so what, what in your opinion uh, determines like a well-designed play versus a poor design play, just, just looking at that all 22.
3: It's kind of some of it. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, when you see it um, to some extent, but some of when I'm looking at it, it's uh, I don't know, at a broad sense, doesn't make sense. Um, you start with like protection. What are they trying to run? I guess you start with, what are they trying to accomplish here? Who are they trying to free up? Because a lot of times you get you know four or five man routes, but you're trying to free up one or two guys. And so does this make sense? Does the actual concept of it make sense? And then it goes down to, okay, uh, so that's the broad view. And then what's the protection? Do they have enough time to do this protection-wise? Because you can draw up some really, really cool plays, man. But if you're running five man out every single time and they're bringing four or five guys, that's got a DN that's just killing you. that doesn't make sense. And so does the protection make sense for this to do? And then beyond that, you go, okay, then past that it's do the routes make sense. Does the spacing make sense? What's the progression here? Does it make sense in there? Is there enough, is there enough space between these guys? Are you trying to, who are you trying to isolate? Is it a high, low and you're isolating this guy on the outside? Like, so there's again, and then and I think the last one is there a realistic path to success for the play? Is it, um, is this something that is only successful if you need the guy to buy time? Is this something that's only successful if something breaks down and it's a free play by the quarterback? Or is this, is this something that maybe wasn't successful, but just based on the thought process and based on kind of how you ran it, is this something you can see repeatable? I think that's the thing I try to keep in mind with, with everything. It was this, um, is this repeatable? Um, uh, there's a couple of plays I always like to kind of show and look at. That's kind of this, um, a touchdown versus not a touchdown. There's one of them is a, I think off of, it was a Brett Hundley one. Another one's like an Aaron Rodgers one. And one ends in a touchdown and one ends in an incomplete. And the Hundley one ends in a touchdown. And it's this, they got there, but the way that worked, it was a missed hot read by Hundley, but he kind of scrambles around and throws a touchdown. That goes down the books as like a 35-yard touchdown, where the other one goes down incomplete. But if you were to run that same play again, those aren't going to go the same way because you can't bank on that. And so it's this, if you run this again against the same defense, is this, is it repeatable? Is it something that, that you find success with down the road? So again, some of it is kind of a, it's a case by case basis. I mean, some of it, you, you watch enough of it. You get a sense of how they're, how they're trying to deal with this stuff, but that's kind of typically what I'm, what I'm looking for is, does it make sense overall with what they're trying to do? Does, is the production holding up? Um, is uh, the spacing and progression and timing of the routes. Okay. And then is it repeatable? That's, that's kind of the more or less the process I look at it through.
0: So you don't like in my playbook, how I would have a triple and quadruple reverse in there.
3: No, I love that. (laughs) I love that. I'm trying, I'm trying to work up a play that has five wheel routes to one side and I just can't quite get it working yet, but that's, that's my white whale, man.
0: Oh man. Just your answer to that just struck up like, Two more questions uh, for me though. So obviously in the 49ers game, we're going to, we're going to touch on it one more time. Like the special teams was the most obvious breakdown in that game of why we we're losing that, but mm-hmm. leaving them alone for a little bit. I mean, we lost the game 10 to 13. Like, yeah. did you see anything there from like either, And it has to be an offensive standpoint, right? Cause the defense right. played, played out their ass there. And but like offensively, like did you catch like two or three plays where you were like, "If this would have went just a little bit differently, this game, oh yeah,
3: it would have, ended oh yeah." Different. I mean, really, it, the 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 there's I mean, there's a thousand of those. I mean, I've always said I'd rather lose a game by fifty than lose a game by three because in the lost game by three, it's if any one of these dozen plays goes differently, they win. I think the one that really gets me, and it was the second to last drive, uh, second down, I want to say. And this is one of those, I think it's like if MVS is in just for this one play, man. I think they win this game. They're running um, kind of a shot play. So the Niners, what the Niners did after that first drive, even in that first drive, more or less, they kind of took away the intermediate throw. And so the throws available were short, which they'd rally and tackle, or long, which it was really hard to kind of hit that stuff deep because Bosa was a monster in that game. So they're look they're dialing up a deep shot. I think it was second down, might have been third. I can't remember. And they're running a, uh, what's called a Mills concept, which is – it's an old-school old, old school concept. It was a ball control concept under uh, West Coast. It was an old Walsh concept. And if you've seen – I don't know if you guys have seen the uh, Brett Favre uh, quarterback camp uh, video with John Gruden – And Favre talks about that play. Uh, Spurrier kind of did the same thing, where the idea is you get these kind of two deep hooks, 12-yard curls, and then a post over the top of one of them. And so in Walsh's handbook, that was it's a ball control play. You throw the post only if all the conditions look right pre-snap. But it's basically built in to take the top off the defense. But if the shot's there, you take the shot. Spurrier and Favre both said, "All right, man, I'm just like." That the post is my first read. Like I don't care what happens. Like that I'm just <laughs> I'm course. gunning this. Yeah. And so that's been a staple of a ton of offenses. So that's so it's two curls or an in or something. But basically the, the it's if you look at it as a two concept two man concept from the slot runs a curl or a dig route it's like a twelve yard in and then over the top is post they they run they, they dial up one of those differences you've got Devonte Adams running the dig which they usually will do what you're trying to do out of like a, a too high, quarter shell, whatever. You're trying to drop one of the safeties on that dig, which opens up the post over the top. They run that. It looks wide open, wide open. Devonte comes in, safety pulls. It's Lazard running the post. Rodgers hits the top of it's a seven step drop. Hits the top of his drop. Lazard's not even out of the break yet, and Bosa's busting through the line. And that's what. And that was. Well, it wasn't. No, it wasn't Bosa. I think it was Armstead or something. Protection broke down. They overload blitzed one side. And there was some confusion up front, the passing off between the guard. I think they passed off a guy and essentially got a free rusher. So if protection holds for a split second longer, or if that's MVS instead of are, because if that's MVS, he's out of his break at that point. If he's out oh, of his yeah. break, you got time. You toss, you loft that ball, you toss up over the top. So that that's the one to me that there's no one else back there. So even a less than perfect ball, Gets you 35, 40 yards in a first, and a perfect ball gets you a touchdown, and the game's done. Cause I think they're on you know their own 20, 25 at the point this happened. So think of that one. Uh, just because of again, personnel is different, or if they just if protection holds a little bit longer. And also just what if Aaron Jones just doesn't cut towards the middle of the line before the half? Like if he keeps and tries to outrun that guy and at the very least gets out of bounds and then he's like. Those are the two that get me. Just those, those kind of end of the games ones. But the the that Lazard one that was I was rewatching that, going man, if that was MVS, man, if that was MVS, that sucker's up and out because he's out of the break. So that's thanks for letting me relive that. That was fun.
2: Oh
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that still hurts. Like that's <laughs> what, that's all I was thinking. I was like, this one hurts. All right, that's my last good. question before I'm going to pass it over to Riley for a few questions. So so knowing the game as well as you did, so when the Mike McCarthy, you know, like people started calling for his head. Like when when were you like, all right, yeah, this this needs a change? Cause I, I mean, I'm not a very critical fan. Like I'm a very optimistic. Hey, we'll get this together. We'll get this together. I even thought that with the special teams this year. We had Chris Jackie on earlier this year. Oh
3: yeah, yeah. yeah. No,
0: he's fine. And, and he said, if the Packers don't fix this, they're one and done. And I kind of scoffed at him. But I guess going with uh Mike McCarthy, uh, when when did you think he should have been out?
3: I think that was the year before. Um, and, and I mean, it, one of the things I, I kind of get tunnel vision, I think a lot of us do. Um, when we look at this, I mean, me specifically, like I've got time to look at the Packers games. And then I try to branch out and look at other games, but I don't know, I got a job and a family, like I have time right. to like, look at every single team. But I started looking at, um, I think that was McVay's first year with the Rams. And what they're doing is really, really cool. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna check this out. I'm gonna look at some of the stuff they're doing. And some of the stuff they're doing is really cool. The thing that that and a lot of those concepts carried over. You know, I looked at the stuff the Rams were doing, I looked at some of the stuff the Packers were doing, and there's the complaint about McCarthy that was like, he's not running anything the Rams are doing. Well, that was that was incorrect. He was. But the more I watched the Rams, like okay, well he didn't know what he was. He didn't know how to do it. I guess because the the McVay thing was always everything plays well together, and you see these plays building off of each other, and you get this really cool play, but it's preceded by like you know the last five times they ran it, they ran the same way. So you're kind of setting up. It's almost like the psychology of running something. How you're trying to influence these guys and do it and instead of just a package of plays. It's a fully formed offense. Everything makes sense. Everything flows together. Everything works off of the same basic looks. So you see that. And the more I kind of dug into that offense, I was like, "This is really cool." Like the way this is done. And you watch the Packers, and it was okay. Like the concepts are there, but the guys are in the wrong place, and none of this is really building. It's all just. It seemed like it was just kind of thrown against the wall. I know there's more thought into it than that. It's it's kind of doing him a minute of service. But I think when I really started looking at the Rams, I was like, "Oh yeah, okay. This 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 is an offense that looks like an offense." And the Packers were you know, getting by with, with Rogers doing Rogers things. And again, those concepts were there, but the thought process wasn't the same. So those guys weren't springing open the same way. So it was kind of one of those, okay, if this is, if this is McCarthy innovating, if this is him, like becoming like the coach, like the modern coach, he doesn't seem like he has an idea how to do it. So that, that seemed like that was, that was about it for me. I think, at that point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. To me, it just looked like it was like letting Rogers just like just sending them back and saying make a
3: play. Well, and there were so many like again like the stuff that makes sense. I had a theory um, because Ty, uh, Ty Montgomery was there, Um, Ty Montgomery, and then he got injured, and they had Ty Montgomery kind of this hybrid role. and They had him doing different stuff. No, he got injured, and then they just had Richard Rogers doing that stuff. Like this isn't plug and play, man. <laughs> like, yeah, that's I not got the same him. guy. No, I was but, like, yeah. if they throw one more flat route to Richard Rogers with like a with a defender closing in on him, I'm gonna kill somebody. Like that was. That's when I kind of started turning there was all of that Richard Rogers stuff. God bless him, man. The guy could catch a ball, but he was slow. He couldn't block and he was no good in space. Like it was just why stop throwing them in the flat. Stop doing that. So I know that's that's no. probably when the that's probably when I wanted him gone, was like the fifth Richard Rogers flat throw in a game. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> all
0: right, we're gonna throw this over, let Riley take over the interview for a little bit.
2: Yeah. um, So I don't know how much you get into the statistical side of the game, but if you do and you look at that, what's kind of like an overused or an underused statistic you look at when you're analyzing a player or a team, if that makes sense?
3: Yeah, no, it does. Um, you know, with the Packers, I'm in real deep, and so I do use, uh, you know, some statistics. Most of that stuff, I just I base off of the stuff I'm seeing, and I, I use some statistics. to Kind of the broader view. The way I use them, more or less, is what's the what's the wide view of this team? There's always context behind that, so I like to kind of dig in. But I think um, I don't know the the one that's really come on lately has been EPA which is something that's been around for forever. Um, so it's uh, expected points added per play. Uh, and I think uh, uh, Ben Baldwin, I think kind of does a lot of stuff with that, but it's been a, on pro football reference for a number of years. And that's always been kind of one of those that uh, I've never really been a huge fan of. It has its use, um, but I've never been the hugest fan of it. And it kind of takes a uh, gain, you know, yards gain or result of play based on where you started and where the play ends and, Throughout, like, you look at the probability of scoring from those areas and things like that. Yeah. I don't mind the statistic, but it seems like that's suddenly become, like, the big one that everyone references. And I think it has its place. I don't think there's any one stat that kind of tells the whole story. And EPA seems like it's been subbed in for that. So, again, useful, but I think overused. Um, As far as underused, one I don't see a whole lot is, is ADOT. Which I think is next gen stats, if I'm not mistaken. Which is uh, average depth of target. You'll see that sometimes, but it tells you um, kind of separates what the quarterback's doing versus like the yards after catch, more or less. Mm. So you're saying like, okay, this guy had this many yards, did this. What was the average? What was the average depth? Was it two yards? So he's just checking it down, and his receivers are doing all the work. Or was it like twelve yards? So I think that's one that again doesn't tell the whole story. But if you're looking at that from a pass game perspective. Um, you kind of piece that together with some of the other stuff, and I think I think ADOT does an uh, interesting job of kind of help uh, flushing out the story a little bit in terms of what the quarterback was doing.
2: Sure, sure, yeah. Um, to go along with something that the one that you said was overused, um, I watch soccer, and the big thing that's becoming a thing is expected goals. Okay. So they they take the statistics where you could shoot from. Like, I don't know 20 yards away bad shot but it goes in but the expected goal from that's so low so uh, I get it kind of ties in well with that that it doesn't tell the whole story when you actually look at that one sole statistic but
3: yeah for sure I think I think a lot of those it's all I, I use DVOA a lot and even then I know there's there's flaws in that but I like that's probably my favorite in terms of like the just getting an overall view. But yeah, I mean, like with all this stuff, it's a piece of you use it in a way that makes sense, piece it together, everything else to kind of help flesh out the story because one stat only does so much. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Okay. I'll shift the focus more towards the Packers. I just wanted your opinion on this. What do the Packers organization do better than anyone else in the NFL? I
3: don't know about better, but I think, uh, I think, I think, I mean, if you're looking at from front office, say, development stuff, I mean, what they've done with the offensive line year in, year out, and just mm-hmm. grabbing those guys, you know, mid-round, you know, later than the first round and getting them to do, like, very, very good work. And that's beyond what Stenovich has done with them, but just, like, when they, the patchwork line this past year. But you look at, like, some of the, the places these guys have been drafted and, and be able to come in and contribute as they have been. I mean, they, they do a really good job IDing uh, offensive line mm-hmm guys and just having them come in and do stuff. Uh, and I think as far as like just coaching and the game planning in general, uh, I think they do a really good job kind of tailoring to the strengths of their players. It's not mm-hmm. one of the, one of my pet peeves about coaching. Uh, you see a lot of these systems, it's you get a system and you want your guy to fit into that system. Yeah. It's this is, this is exactly how we run it. If this guy doesn't do this. He's out. You had you something that with, uh, again, I made the, the hide uh, thing earlier, That's some of the stuff Capers would do. Was this work? Let's plug and play. It doesn't work that way. And I think what we've seen, and again, how much is LaFleur versus how much is Rogers? Who knows? But I think what they've done taking advantage of Rogers and uh, Devontae Adams' unique skill sets to build them into this system as opposed to, no, you need to fit into this specific role, I think is – I guess good. They do that on the defensive side as well. To some extent, I think just that's, a, a, you know, I don't know that it's unique, unique, but not every team does that. A lot of coaches yeah. will come in and say, this is my system. You run my system. And if it doesn't fit the strengths, like you get rid of a good player, you put him in a mm-hmm. place where he's not going to succeed. So I think just this coaching staff, I think has done a really, really good job with that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So kind of looking forward. I know this question depends on a couple of things on players resigning with us. Um, but what position group needs kind of the most work in free agency and the draft?
3: I go D line. Um, yeah, you know, just yeah, I'm a big believer in building both fronts. Uh, that that's where your success lies, more or less. I know, mm-hmm. and I'd said for for years. Um, I don't not that I don't care about inside linebackers. Uh, we saw Devontae Devontae Campbell this year. The stuff that he did was good but if you don't have a good defensive line you're not really going to have a good inside linebacker for the most part it's if that's the we, i guess if inside linebacker is the weakest part on your team like you've got a pretty good team that's fine so i mean you get those especially in the system where it's you kind of get four or five guys up front you're tying those up you're trying to get one-on-ones you're going to get some free rushes you're going to get some holes for the linebackers to rush through as long as they know what they're doing so getting the, i mean Kenny Clark is a monster you know i absolutely love Kenny Clark Dean Lowry had a decent year this year, a little inconsistent, but like the best year he's had in a while. Tyler Lancaster is a body. I was hoping Kings of Kiki was going to turn into something and you know, he clearly did not. So it's just kind of that if you've got Kenny Clark, they're doing this with Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry doing something sometimes and Tyler Lancaster just being just big. That's the, that's what he brings that table. Like he's a, he's a big man. And then I hope something turns up TJ Slayton, but who knows? But I mean, if they get something going up front, it just it makes everyone's lives way easier on the back end. It makes and the with the way they're trying to build that defensive line, it seems like it's less less gap shooters and more compress the pocket and make that guy comfortable, less less sacks, more hurries, more pressures, things like that. Uh so they just need they just need some bodies up front. They just need some guys who aren't necessarily all world guys, but can hold their own and push the pocket a little bit. I mean, that's, that's to me is just the biggest weakness on this defense. Just year in, year out.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, and this kind of goes along with the last question, I guess. What's who's one player on each side of the ball that kind of was a letdown last year and that could see their spot taken if they don't kind of step it up.
3: Oh man, I'll go. And this is unfair to the guy on the offensive side. I'll say it anyway, just cause he was injured as Josh Myers. I mean, he was out, so you hate saying that. I think when he was in, he showed some good stuff, but I don't know that he was you – know, he's a rookie, so you hate to pile yeah. on him. He was an injured rookie, so I don't want to pile on the guy too much. But he's a guy, and I don't think he needs to be amazing. He just needs to be solid, and I think he can do that. He And he showed some flashes last year, but you'd like to see that consistency out of him. I mean, you know, obviously for him to stay healthy, but that it would be a little cons- more consistent the next year. I think that would be great. I think you could put – same thing, a rookie, a guy I have really high hopes for next year is Amari Rodgers. You don't really expect a third-round rookie to do much, but I love his makeup. I love his game. I love what he could bring to this specific offense. So he's a guy I'd really love to see step up. And I, He didn't get a ton of chances this past year, which is understandable. Um, but I'd love to see him do something. And defensive side, oh, man, I hate to say it. I was—I say Darnell Savage. Um, I really like him, and I think when they put him in different positions, he's really good playing that robber role. He was able to step down from that too high and just just wreck stuff up front. Uh, and you just read and react, but some of his back end stuff, some of the tracking the ball, taking a some of his angles are kind of not great. I mean, he's got great speed, uh, but he doesn't always use it that well, or he puts himself out of position a little bit. So I, I mean, I think he is. To be clear, I think Savage is a very good player. I think he could be incredible. He just needs to be a little more consistent and just when they put him back into that single high safety where he has to cover, just. Be, be better at cover, be be better at reading that stuff in front of you when you're that last guy there. So I think if he takes a step up, which he certainly has it in him, like he could be just incredible, but I'd really like to see that. The consistency just hasn't been there in that aspect of his game yet.
1: Go ahead, Mike. Real quick with the Amari Rogers. So it struck something for me. Could that route run by Lazard against the Niners, I think you said it was a post, could that have been done by Rogers? Is is that inside his skill set?
3: It is. I mean, I see him more. I mean, honestly, I see him more as Lazard. He's a little smaller, but kind of that big guy that you can use in the backfield a little bit, but really is just kind of a, a good blocker that you can use. I mean, he's got decent speed, not a ton of explosiveness, so he could run that. I mean, I think he's, he's a better option than Lazard, but his hands have been inconsistent. Like I understand why he wasn't out there, but something like right. that. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I honestly, I envision uh, Lazard out the door and Amari Rogers stepping in, just basically being like tiny little Alan Lazard out there is kind of how I expect him to be
2: <laughs> player would kind of be the most devastating player to lose. Cause I feel like with Jair, a lot of us thought we're like, Oh shit. Like that's <laughs> probably, well, we got a player out of that. Um, well, like, and you know, somebody stepped up, but what would be the most devastating to lose and not really,
3: God, you know, it's it's Kenny Clark, right? I mean, that's uh, go kind of goes back to my DL stuff. Like if he's out, and you saw when he was out, you know, for a little bit this year, you just you don't get that same push in the middle. Like that push in the middle gives you so much. You kind of can compress the edges, brings those guys in, which then opens up some of your edge rush. Some of that, I mean, the run game can suffer if he's not in there long term. But he's so so good, and he's just such a rock in the middle of that defense that I, I think if he's if he's gone for any length of time. That really, really hurts the defense, especially yeah. with again with what they've done or have not done with that, in- that interior of the mm-hmm. defensive line in terms of addressing that.
1: So I'm going to jump in with a few more questions. Uh, if you were the general manager of the Packers, what would it take to like consider trading
3: Rodgers? Oh, like a like a compensation package? Um,
1: or, yeah. So you know, draft picks, players. What do you want to see if you're moving?
3: Man, listen, like I'm starting with three firsts and two usable players, like starting there. So I'm moving on from, you know, regardless of how you view him, regardless of his age, contract, blah, blah, blah. I mean, just don't one of the best quarterbacks to play coming off a second straight MVP season. Like, He's not necessarily height of his powers, but I mean, he's real, real close. He's real, real close. And I think, you know, there, there should be a lot of teams chomping at the bit if, if he is on the market. And so that's where I start to say, OK, I've, you know, if we're going to move on. Because what you have to assume is you get the first round pick this year. I want the first round pick this year, especially if it's a bad team, because I want that early pick because the assumption is that. For the next two first-round picks that they're giving up, you're likely picking the 20s because Aaron Rodgers, whichever team is going to give that up, they're they're pushing that up a little bit. So your draft value is top 10 this year, and then likely you're picking mid-20s the next couple of years. But you're not really picking mid-20s, you're packaging that and likely moving up. So I'm looking at that as, listen, man, if we're, we're not necessarily resetting, we're not really rebooting. But if we believe in Jordan Love, or even if we don't, if we got a chance to take this and we've got, say, one or two years left of Rodgers, if he's not going to resign, he's not going to extend. I want this chance to get some elite talent through the draft and then pick up a couple guys. I mean, the, the the package I always said with the Broncos was, okay, I want the Broncos pick this year, two first, and I don't know, give me Jerry, Judy, and uh, and give me at least one other guy. I've heard Patrick Surtain. I don't know if he's in the package, but... I, I'm going to ask if he's in the package. So three firsts and at least two usable players. And like, that's, that's the starting point, man. Like Sam Darnold went for like a second, a fourth and a sixth or something. Is Sam Darnold's garbage. This is the two time consecutive MVP, man. Like you've got to, you've got to pony up for that.
1: So like Fant and Judy would, would Rogers accept a trade like that? In your opinion.
3: Well, and that's the trick, right? Is that like wherever he's going, if they've got to mortgage the farm for him, they've got to be ready to win now with who they have, less who they're sending out the door, or else they're in no better straights than the Packers would be, theoretically. Like if you if you're gutting, if you're the Broncos and you gut your team to bring Rogers in, what's well, Rogers working with? I mean, if you listen, I, I forgot to mention Fant. If it's Judy and Fant, like, hell yeah, dude, throw that in. Uh, but yeah, then who's Rogers yeah. throwing to? So, and I guess it's, some of that's a matter of how much does he want out? If he wants out, does he, is there guys he wants to play with? If they're saying, listen, we're going to bring on Devonte Adams too. And he gets to keep playing with Adams. Maybe he likes living in Colorado. Like, you know, there's, there's so many factors factors is, I don't know, but it does seem like, I mean, over and over again, you look at this stuff and it's his best chance to win with the guys that they have are the Packers right now. And I know there's cap stuff and all the stuff that goes into that, but with who they have and because they don't have to give anyone up to keep him really well you know, besides cap casualties, you, uh, he still has the best chance. So any place he goes, maybe for next year, depending on the team, maybe for the next year, I think, you know, the Steelers always made a ton of sense to me because they're an AFC team that defense is loaded. They've got a lot of good pieces on offense. And then they like their quarterback just sucks, just sucks real bad. And they have no plan in place for him. So if they trade, if they give up some first for Rogers, if they give up a couple pieces for Rogers, say if they give up, I don't know, Claypool or something as well, as well as someone else for Rogers, they've still got enough pieces there to be really good with Rodgers in Pittsburgh. But I, it's just, it's, I think there are packages or places that make sense that he could win, but it's like a two year window because then after that you're out draft picks and you're out these young players that you had to ship out the door, bring him in. So I think that's the, the math that we are, do any teams feel good enough in the next year or two that he's the missing piece. And I think, yeah, there's probably a couple of teams like that out there, but Probably. There's probably more people that think they're in that group than are actually in that group.
1: <laughs> well, to be fair, the Bengals were not in that group, and now they are, right? No, yeah. I have a theory. I don't know if Pat or Riley agree with me, but I believe Jordan Love is valuable. What kind of package would it take to trade Jordan Love if you're the general man?
0: Oh, if you've heard Mike talk about this, he he loves Jordan Love.
1: <laughs> he he
0: thinks he can get like, like the the old Ricky Williams deal out of
1: it. <laughs> oh, I don't. Draft. I'm not. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. But I I am very high on what I think I could get.
3: So I'm. I've watched a lot of Jordan Love. I've watched a lot of his college stuff. I think there's you know there's promise there. And I think what gets you this year, if he's moved out the door this year, this quarterback class sucks real bad, sucks real bad. And so again, if you're a team like Pittsburgh, or if you're a team like Denver, if you're a team who thinks like you're a quarterback away and maybe you're picking, you know, somewhere in the top 15 or something, you like, well, we, we need a quarterback. We need a quarterback. We don't want to take any of these quarterbacks. Then you give up something for Jordan Love. Cause you, if you, if you liked what you saw a couple of years ago, now he's been sitting underneath, you know, Rogers and LeFleur and you know get and all those guys for a couple of years. And I think what we've seen from him, I think he's made improvements. I mean, my issues with him, we haven't seen enough to dispel those one way or another. I mean, he's got a good arm, but some of his decision-making suspect, we've, we've certainly seen some of the inaccuracy stuff pop up. Like, I don't think that's going away. I think that's just who he is. It's just a matter. I mean, I, I don't think that's going to kill him, but there are going to be some maddening throws sometimes. But he does have a ton of ability. Seems like a smart dude. Uh, but some of he'll he'll still have a tendency to kind of stare some guys down. So I, I have issues with Jordan Love overall i'm not saying i don't think he can be good but i think if there's a there's always going to it all takes one team man um i think there's going to be desperate teams out there i mean realistically you know they paid a first round pick for him a year ago two years ago i don't think they're getting a first back for him at least you know who knows there's dumb teams out there man i don't know i'm gonna say a second and a fourth i'll say they. i'd say some team would give up a second and a fourth for jordan love and maybe i don't know like carolina's trying real hard to find a quarterback and paying just ungodly amounts of picks just to try to find someone to come out the door. If Carolina feels like, if, uh, say, Matt Rule, who had what a seven year deal and has done nothing, if he now feels like his head's on the chopping block and feels like Jordan loves his guy, maybe he gives up a first. They seem like a real dumb franchise. So that's a possibility. But I think, I don't know, second and a fourth makes sense because he still has shown those flaws that he had out of college. Some of you know, the footwork stuff, some of that stuff's been cleaned up. But I just, I, I don't know that he's shown enough. Uh, to really drive that price back into a first. But I think, I think especially if teams know that the Packers are going to sell, I don't think there's going to be a huge, huge ask there. So I think I'm going to go second and fourth. And Mike, I assume you're disappointed in me now.
1: So I'm not disappointed. <laughs> uh, so my belief is that that Jordan Love is a first-round talent, right? So he has ter- first-round skills. His arm's worth the first mm-hmm. round. So And from what everything that I've kind of read or like, uh heard is that his accuracy is what pushes him like into the lower first round instead of the higher first round they're going to spend a there's going to be probably multiple quarterbacks taken in the first 10 mm-hmm. picks this year like that's just what happens you know if it's two or if it's four you know that depends on the year but there's usually two mm-hmm. and i think two years under rogers and uh, Hackett and the and Gatsy, that puts you as the best quarterback. That's it, it puts you as a better quarterback than anybody that comes out of college. Mike's gonna the, die on this hill, just die. Yeah. On oh, yeah, it. I respect I, it. I'm man. I respect it. Uh, and so, I think that if you're looking for a quarterback and you're in the top five picks, and it might not be Jordan Love, right? It could be any other backup that's young and successful you go take those guys because even like a trevor Lawrence, you don't know if his career will be successful right so we we watched peyton manning and ryan leaf come into the league and everybody said they're both going to be studs for 20 years and then ryan leaf wasn't as wasn't ever a stud and now peyton manning was but he was pretty good he's
3: a number yeah he was
1: okay a number of these guys in the top 5 burn out and so mm-hmm. that's kind of my take on it is that if you have a guy that shows flashes of being able to play even at a level of like a Andy Dalton who's like a what a 10 to 15 guy in the league I think right Oof. maybe not right now but, but in when he was in Cincinnati he's a guy that he's probably 10 to 15 quarterback cuz you're you're in 15 to 30 quarterbacks those guys are all getting, like, moved out of their roles. Sure. You know, they're getting – those teams are drafting new guys. They're very, very young, and they're a first, second-year starter, and they're not quite moving on from them. But Andy Dalton was a franchise quarterback for the Bengals Mm -hmm. right up until he wasn't. And so, like, if you should see a guy that shows that kind of talent, that's better than a guy flaming out. I guess it's not better, like, upside.
3: But well, he also fell the 24th where they pick him 24. Uh, so a lot of those teams that, that were bad then are still bad now, and they had a chance to pick him and didn't. So I think that's that's true. I mean, if it's if it's, I think again, I'm going to go back to Pittsburgh because they make the most sense to me in terms of they need a quarterback who's not just hot, hot garbage this year. Um, that's basically not Mason Rudolph or, or Duck Hodges or something. And if they think, all right, man, uh, we're picking and they made the playoffs, uh, there, there's no reason. The Steelers. I, I should not have had to watch the Steelers in the playoffs. I'm still. I'm very upset. Just don't don't expand to 14 because then I have to watch the Steelers in the playoffs. We're not doing that. So they're picking where I don't know 20s. I guess probably late teens, low 20s, something like that. They're not going to get a f- top five pick. You know, they're not going to get one of the top quarterbacks. Whatever the top two, top three, whichever guys you think it says, they're not going to get one of those guys. But maybe they would throw their first-round pick for Jordan Love if they kind of like what they're seeing, if they think, okay, we're not, we're not going to be in a position, hopefully ever, to pick in the top 10 to pick a quarterback. But we like what we've seen out of him, and we think he still has some development to go. And in two years, he could be that guy. Like, I would do that. Like, if it's, you know, the, not the Jets, because they just picked Zach Wilson last year, who would, I don't think is going to be good. But if it seemed like that, that took a quarterback a couple of years ago, like, I don't know that I would, again – I wouldn't do it, but I'm not a dumb team. So I, you know, maybe they would do it, but I think a team that's kind of sitting in that, you know, 15 to 22 range that, that is looking for an upgrade at quarterback, but can't pick in the top 10. That seems like if you're looking first round, that looks like the most, more likely landing spot to me is one of those guys saying, we can't get one of the top ones. We can get this guy who was like, you know, if he was drafted three years ago, is maybe a top 10 pick and we can take our chances with him. Like that seems more likely to me. And you know, I'd like him to go somewhere. If he's going to go somewhere, i can like him to be, go somewhere that's not a poverty franchise. That's actually like he has a chance to succeed. Like if he goes to, you know, Carolina, that's, that's going to be real sad because they're not going to be good. Uh, so I hope he goes somewhere he can actually be good.
0: And that 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 take goes all the way back to our first episode, and I, I still think like I like what Mike says. Is like he's played under Rogers, so he has mm-hmm. some experience. But the business side of it—that's that, yeah. what I'm always like. It's it's just not. It's just not what it is, and like like you were just saying, Dusty, there was there was teams in bad shape at quarterback that were not going to take him. But I mean, I can't remember what year he was hurt—his senior or junior year. But whatever year at Utah State, whatever year he wasn't hurt, it is fun to go back and and look at some of his college.
3: Team. Oh, I mean, even his 2019 year where the interceptions were way up. Um, was it 20 2019? Because he came out after that year, right after junior. So, I can't
0: remember for sure. I know it's hurt either as junior or senior. Year. Yeah, I
3: think it's his 2018 year, his numbers were real good. And then 2019, his numbers were bad. Uh, but he lost, I think, all of his top receivers. And I don't know, there's a thousand other different stuff. Also, that offense is a garbage offense. I went through and watched like every game of that 2019. Just it was it basically was like four verts on like 50% of the plays. Like, like nothing.
0: Not that's, that's my offense. It's good that's if you have I wide that.
3: receivers. If you've got wide receivers, just run four verts all the time. Like it was spread stuff without the personnel that they couldn't, they didn't have the personnel to run spread and they're running it in real terrible ways. Like it's the thing, his flaws showed up. That offense was terrible to watch. <laughs> yeah. So
2: 2018, he had 32 touchdown passes, mm-hmm. six interceptions. 2019, 20 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. So.
3: Well, I think even if you look at 2018, because so I had done some of this, if you look at 2018, he had a lot of the same mistakes that showed up in 2019. He had in 2018, just those picks were dropped. Like I don't remember how many picks he had a lot of dropped interceptions, like hit a guy in the hands in 2018. So some of the some of the issues were still there. They just got compounded a little in 2019, I think.
0: I just feel like though when I I watch some of it, and obviously you're a, a like a great X's and O's guys with an uh, expert in that, but just like how easy he dropped back in the pocket. Like I like, I like the way he like sat and looked like, it just kind of, his bounce. I mean, that's my dumb take of it. Like, oh, I was like, he looks comfortable.
3: Yeah, no, he'd sit back there, look comfortable, and then just casually flick, like, a 60-yard bomb. Like, it was yeah. nothing. Like, I yeah, think some yeah. of his short area zip is, is leaves a little bit to be desired. But when he chucks downfield, it looks like he's just playing pitch and catch, and that ball is 60 yards in the air. It's, it's incredible. Yeah,
0: there's definitely a little shine there.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, the Kansas City game, I thought I noticed that he drops back, like, a half a step or a step too far and it really puts his offensive line in a rough spot. Would that be accurate or no?
3: Yeah. I don't know that he has a feel for it. I think he, he'll, I don't know. I don't know about drop him back, but he certainly doesn't step up like you should. He, he wasn't at least in that game, but kind of that, the, the, some of the arc of the rush was hitting right into him. Whereas if you step up and some of they were getting some interior pass rush, I think maybe you're scared of that a little as well. So you did not want to step up into that, but yeah, I mean, he didn't, he didn't really help his O-line out uh, all the time in that game.
0: And I think as Packer fans, we're so spoiled at like how good Roger has a feel mm-hmm. for or Rogers has a feel for pressure and how good he is at stepping up. So sometimes it just drives you nuts when you're like, how can that guy not just step up and feel the pressure? Like Joe Burrow versus um the Titans was driving me absolutely crazy. Like, whereas like like Rogers would like step up and cut through yeah, somebody st- where Joe Burrow out, yeah. turns his back around and, <laughs> and like runs and the Titans weren't letting him go. But the chiefs were, man, he was, he was getting away from everybody. Yeah. Chiefs, man. <laughs> they could yeah not tale of two
3: quarterbacks, man.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. It was like, he was covered in Vaseline versus the chiefs.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that image. I personally do not care for that image. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. So moving on. Um, so we saw uh, Yash Neiman play very, very well throughout the year. Is he worth a fruit, a first round pick? And if you're the
3: GM, would you move him? So he's, I believe, I think he's a free agent after this year. Um, I don't think he's worth a first round pick. I think he, he played well, rather um, than expected. I mean, he was kind of, one of those guys you dream on, I think is his, Raz was like, his Raz score was like 9.8 or something like just freak athlete. You draft him and hope he can develop into something. So this year, I mean, he showed flashes. I mean, I think that, that Niners game, uh, the week three Niners game, that was, he, you know, Nick Bosa just absolutely destroyed him on that first drive. And then he kind of handled himself after that. I mean, overall, I think he played well, you know, not, not great. I don't, I don't think he's be a first round guy. I think he's again, I, I think if you're looking at, do I pay him? Do I throw a first round pick at him? I think it's it's how do you feel about his future? Because he's again freak athlete. You can look at this as you know, maybe he's a late bloomer. This is a breakout, but I think he's 26 this year. So is this a he's finally realizing all of his athletic potential? If you think this is the guy this past year, this is the start of it next year. It's really going to click for him. And then he's your rock at one of the tackle positions for the next five years. Then yeah, I mean, that's worth that. I, I just think again, freak athlete, guy that kind of that came in. Did better than expected. I don't think was a rock by any stretch of the imagination. I think he's a good depth piece. He's there like as a spot starter. I think he's, there's a ton of value there. I think if he was a starting tackle somewhere, I think he'd be fine. I don't think he'd be terrible, but I don't think he'd be great. But I just, but again, if he, if this is it, if the light bulb went off and next year he comes out and it's just, no one get buys him, Okay. That's, that's amazing. I just, it's, I think it's a lot to, a lot to pay for a. Kind of a guy to dream on that at twenty six had like a pretty good season when forced in it just it seems like it's a I don't know maybe a bit too much.
0: Twenty six restrictive free agent um, making eight hundred fifty thousand so seems yeah. seems like a guy that you would you would try to keep around because you're not yeah I mean a bargain that. at that price and they signed yeah. him for a
3: little bit more I mean that'd be incredible but it's certainly not top of the line not like top of the market price for him or anything.
1: Okay, how do you feel about the Rich Basaccia hire? Uh, So I know you wanted the, one of the guys from the Raiders, right? Or not the Raiders, the Ravens. Ravens. Ravens, Ravens, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I went real lazy with my analysis with that. (laughs) Uh, I was trying to figure out who do I want? And I know very little about special teams. I've read, there's not a whole lot of books because special teams are boring. And like, it's relatively basic. A lot of it is um, just tell that to Mo Yeah, seriously. You know, I looked up Mo's numbers. So I looked at uh, Versace's numbers. I looked at Mo's numbers. Mo's numbers when he was offensive or a special teams coordinator in uh, Indianapolis, he's like ranked fifth one year and seventh next year. These are two years, top 10 units both times. Uh, Versace, I I mean, I like him overall. I don't have a ton of thoughts on special teams in general. I went with, it was, uh, uh, Wiest was the guy in Baltimore. I basically looked at him because, well, Baltimore is good year in, year out. This guy's been around, I think you know 30 plus years he was you know kind of offensive coordinator wide receivers coach kind of has worn all these hats i like guys that kind of will will have have done different stuff you view the game different ways you have uh, familiarity with how different groups work and he's been in baltimore for the past three years so it seems like a guy i could peg but pisacci i mean he's been uh basically average throughout his career i looked at uh basically his 20 year NFL coaching career today and went through the football outsiders numbers. And he grades out about average. Um, he's going to bump you up that first year. You usually get a pretty good first year bump out of Asaccia. It's, I mean, a, what you hope, and I don't think it's all just tied up in the coordinator You're just hoping for competency, man. Like I'm not looking for a top 10 unit. I'm just looking for competency. And by all the, when he went out in Las Vegas uh, when he was kind of gone just the outpouring of love and support from the players and just the kind of man he right. is and the respect he commands. Like he seems like a guy that everyone has loved playing for, which is huge. I mean, that, there's, there's something to that, especially if you're trying to rebuild some of this. So again, like some of the the specifics, I don't know if he's bringing any specific scheme. I don't know exactly what he's doing, but he looks, he's a guy who basically he's going to make your special teams competent. I think he's ranked below 25th twice in the past 20 years. I don't th- I think he's hit the top 10, twice. He, he lives in the middle ground. He's going to be around average, which I mean, honestly, is a godsend for an average special teams group. Can you imagine how it sounds yeah. like a dream? Doesn't it?
0: <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say we could definitely have used average this year on mm-hmm. special teams, but hopefully he comes in and he's like, Hey guys, we want to tackle and we want to down the ball inside the tent.
3: run running and-, and a coverage running a straight line. Stay even with your man and run in a straight line. That's <laughs> all we're asking of you. That's just stay in your lanes. That's all we're asking, man. We're not, we're not wishing for the moon here. Just do those things, please.
0: Yeah. And yeah, it doesn't I seem did. that hard, but it, I mean, it must be. Because we were even trying to get with uh, Chris Jackie and just see see what he knew from it. But I mean, he he's not a guy that's going out and getting all 22 and looking at people if they're staying in their lanes. But well, I know you- the
3: stuff with, with some of that with special teams, some of it is. Um, who you have to work with any given week. Cause a lot of times it's you're filtering guys out. It's bottom of the roster guys. It's oh. it's sometimes they'll throw a starter in there and you know they didn't really know about it till two days ahead of time. So it's a lot of times it's it's a revolving door at special teams in the same in the way it's not an offense or defense. So You often hear uh, a lot of times special teams, you know, obviously Harbaugh has done a really good job, but special teams guys, a lot of times you like to be head coaches because they have to kind of think on their toes. They got to work on some of this stuff a little more. You've got to manage kind of some of these different personalities and the different way guys rotate in and out. And so, so I said, you know, it's not all special teams. It's, it's not all on the coordinator. Some of that's on, How they, you know, having 11 guys on the field certainly is on the coordinator, but in terms of the, who do you have available to you is the bigger question. Like, do I have, LaForce talked about that. Like Seattle for years had the number one special teams or top five unit and they use starters. And I don't love doing that all the time, but it's kind of, if you're a special teams coordinator they say, okay, you can have your pick of the bottom 15 guys on our roster. Okay. That's not like great that's not the cream of the crop. That's not your best guys. And a lot of times they're rotating those guys in and out. You're calling up guys off the practice squad guys there on Wednesday that has to do punk coverage now on Sunday. Like it's just some of that's a different world in terms of who's, who's available to you, who can use in these roles. So, I mean, it's, it's some of that feels like, you know, special teams coordinator can certainly improve, but some of that seems like, okay, front office GM, you got to make a point to bring guys in who are special team specialists. And, you know, maybe the has got to make some of his, offensive guys and you know Barry's going to make some of his defensive stars you know available on special teams like that's it's kind of one of those it's a whole organizational thing I think to put to fix this but you know, I just want Passacci to get 11 guys out there and I'll be happy
1: in my mind it was probably just a missed assignment by a player right so Drayton probably had a guy pegged for going in there right At yeah. the beginning of the week and then maybe in the middle of that game he screws up so bad that you're like you're not in there no more and then he didn't You know, he tells another guy, "You got to be there," and then he's
3: not there. But that's on the coordinator too. Like that's that coordinator needs to make sure that like the guys I need out there are the guys out there. That's uh, that. That was. It seems again, it seems so simple with some of this. But I was always asking the question of like, what's the point of an offensive coordinator if he doesn't call plays? Like, oh, he coordinates the offense, right? (laughs) He makes he makes sure the right grouping of guys is going out there. That this package has these guys going out there. I mean, that's it's not just coaching. But yeah, when you're coordinating if there's not 11 guys out there, man, that's on you. Like you need to keep track of, I told this guy, he wasn't going back out there. And so I need to make sure that 11th guy gets out there. And ultimately it doesn't matter. Right. And if 11th guys out there, they're not blocking that field goal, but it's, it's the optics of the thing and making sure that like, this is my unit. I've got a handle on this holistically. I know who needs to be out there. I know what they need to do. It's just, and it's a bad look. If if there's the last play of the season, you're one guy short You're just like, well, oops, sorry.
1: That's a very good point. The very good point. Thank
3: you. Every now and then I run <laughs> into one. Well, I think you ran into a bunch of them today.
1: A bunch of them. Uh, I'd like to really thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, we're a fairly new um, podcast. What are we at? 13, Pat? Thirteen. What do you mean, 13? Episode oh, this, 13. Is, yeah,
0: this is episode 13. I was going to say, no, we're not 13 on any chart that I've seen.
1: fast <laughs> <but. laughs> risers. We're 13th, 13th best for sure. Uh, somewhere. Uh, do you have any advice for us starting
3: start? Man, so like, you know, some of the stuff I touched on earlier where the, um uh, you, you know, the, the landscape of 10 years ago versus the landscape of now. There's there's so much out there. And that, that's a bad thing. I mean, there's um content coming from all angles, whether that's podcasts or sites or videos or anything i mean the, some of the stuff it's tackled from all angles and it's 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 really really cool and again i, I talked about with how that's kind of helped me almost specialize in in one area of the game be really really good at one area of the game um and that's some advice a, a friend of mine uh gave to me years ago when i was kind of looking at again this kind of shifting landscape and going listen, do do we need like one more guy that's just talking about the same plays everyone else is already talking about in the same lens everyone's talking about? Like, is that really needed? Is that necessary? What's my role here? Uh, And it was what he told me was, he's like, just, man, just find a lane, find a niche, find the thing that interests you or the thing that no one else is doing, whether that's, you know, for me, that was passing offense and no one's come in and stepped on my toes yet. So I haven't had to pivot, Uh, but whether that's passing offense, whether that's looking at, safety play or linebackers or offensive line you know just the, these very specific niche things because again like the the way that i the way that you can view this stuff it's there's a there's a bunch of people doing this stuff what's what's the point of me the way you can see this there's a bunch of people doing this which means i can still contribute and do something that no one else is doing and i can dig in in a way that provides value i think of someone like um ken angles if you guys know ken angles who's just made a name for himself as like the Packer salary cap guy, he's got models. He knows the cap inside now, and, and he's able to do that because people are covering everything else. So I think my my advice and the advice I've gotten that's really kind of changed the way I've done this and I've tried to pass on others is find something, find what you do well, find find your niche, find you know whether that's what what angle you have or what perspective you have that you feel is somewhat unique, or you know if you don't have that, just be better. <laughs> than everyone else, but if there's a a certain angle or again, perspective, some kind of hook that you have that you've not seen that you've not heard uh, really just drive into that, man. Like make, make that your thing, make that your own Um, provide value in a way that you don't really see value being provided by other people. And you can just, you'll, you I mean, you'll make a name for yourself real, real fast through that.
1: Well, well, Dusty, I don't think that uh, you should be the one pivoting from a, From the thing that let them other people pivot away, you're doing real low self esteem,
3: Mike. Real low self esteem.
0: (laughs) No, and I think, I I think our net niche has been so far is we probably say the F word quite a bit. (laughs) (laughs) So, so we've done pretty good this interview, (laughs) so not doing it. So, we'll catch up
1: later, don't worry.
3: Yeah, just uh, yeah, just drop a whole bunch of them later. That's good. That's good. The, the <laughs> bumper is just 30 seconds straight. I like
0: it. Yeah. All right. So, last question Who's winning the Super Bowl and why?
3: Man, so I've been, you know, I live close to Cincinnati. I'm a couple hours. I've been to some games up there. My first ever game was, I think, was it, uh, it was in 04, maybe in 03. Uh, it was the Packers went four and 12 with Favre and they came into Cincy Favre threw five interceptions. The game ended with a fan running on the field and taking the ball out of Brett Favre's hand. um, as he was getting ready to throw a pass, I was at that game. That was my first ever NFL game was up in Cincy for that game. Uh, that was, I think that was the Carson Palmer year where the first play of that playoff game was to, uh, that bomb to Chris Henry. And then Carson Palmer blew out his knee, just devastating on, on two different levels at this point, talking about that play. Um, but yeah, so I've, I've, you know, I don't love Cincinnati, but I, I will root for them. And so I hope they win. I hope that they win just because I don't know, I like them. So I'm going to go, I don't think they're going to, but I haven't thought they're going to win a single game in the playoffs. So I'm gonna pick Cincy, pick Cincy.
0: Yeah, that, that's kind of. That's kind of who I'm pulling for here, but yeah, it is funny that it seems like something weird happens every time. What what was it this year when uh, the? Because was the Green Bay game in Cincinnati this year? Some weird happened again.
3: It was right. yeah. yeah, the was, kickers the, missed
1: field goals.
0: Yeah, yep. Oh, all the missed field goals.
1: And like McPherson's really really good. Yeah, and I, Mason's had an off year, but he's still a really really good kicker, and they're both missing kicks.
3: McPherson did something I've never seen before. He hit the flag on the outside of the post in that game, like drilled it, like hit it was that the flag was like the wind was whipping one way and the ball actually hit the flag as it was whipping. He was that close to it. I've never seen someone hit that before. That was a very nice, very fun.
1: Yeah. Weird weird games in Cincinnati. Mm
3: -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: So Dusty, I'm going to have that Pat lied to you here for just a second. Uh, How did you become a Packers fan? (laughs)
3: <laughs> okay um so I've heard a couple of different versions of this story and this is this is the one that I this is the one I like the most um I'm from the Detroit area initially my family's from Michigan so all of my major sports I'm I'm Tigers I'm Pistons I'm Red Wings and then I'm I'm Packers um and I was born and grew up a Packers fan uh, the story is that my uh grandfather big Lions fan my grandmother did not care at all about football he took her to a game, uh, Lions, Packers, uh up up in Detroit. I don't, I don't know when it was, 60s, I guess, probably. And I don't know who won. All I know is that I think my grandmother was pissed that day and bought a Packers pennant and brought it home to my dad. Um, because she did she didn't want to root for the Lions, I guess, just to piss off my grandfather. So my dad grew up with a Packers pennant, grew up rooting for the Packers, passed that on. So really it's just man, it's just the pettiness of my grandmother is the reason I'm a Packers fan instead of a Lions fan. So thank God for her. Thank God.
1: Yes. (laughs) Thank God. Thank God. Very cool.
0: Awesome. That was a great interview. So thank you so much for coming on Dusty. I I appreciate that a lot. If you guys do get a chance, uh, check out Dusty's stuff. We got about 40 loyal followers. Uh, What's your Twitter handle?
3: Uh, just at Dusty Evely. Pretty much anything I do, I'm just gonna I'm gonna spam it there and hope people read it. Um, but yeah, I, I appreciate you guys having me on. This is again, this is uh, I tend to ramble. I tend to talk a little too much. So I appreciate you letting me do that. And again, we're we're heading into the dark season here. We got the Super Bowl. <laughs> we're heading into the dark season. So you know, man, any chance to talk uh, Packers football, I'm gonna jump on. So appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, appreciate you guys re- reaching out. This is. Was- this was fun wish nothing but awesome things for you guys you guys are off to a good start and uh yeah thanks again for having me on man
0: oh yeah we loved it so so thank you again and and hopefully yeah hopefully we have you on again some other time so maybe once we we get a little bit bigger here
3: i'm around brother i'm around
0: all right See ya. have a good one
1: as well thanks guys all right thank you dusty
0: All right, that was X's and O's with Dusty there, Dusty Evely. Uh, Like we were saying at the beginning of the show, great interview. Uh, I thought at least I enjoyed it. Yeah, very lucky to get a guy like that to come on because he was great.
1: Yeah, I was disappointed he didn't share my uh, view on Jordan Love being the first overall pick, but uh, other than that, awesome. He didn't even not agree with you, but you could tell he was kind of like he's like that's a crazy person.
0: <laughs> it was like it ruined some of our credibility towards it. <laughs> he wanted to exit out of the interview right when when he heard that question, but but yeah, great interview. Hope you guys enjoyed it. So from there, we are going to go into how we normally start the show. We're going to do our Oh, Mike's got something.
1: Yeah. And so if you're not already uh, following Dusty, you should go ahead and do that.
0: Yeah. Uh, at, he's
1: he's a great follow on Twitter, at Dusty Evely.
0: Yeah. I don't know if there's an underscore in there, but anyways, just type. There in is Dusty not. Evely. So, okay. So Mike's got it, at Dusty Evely. Yeah. Yep. And follow him. Yeah. Yeah. It, good, good stuff it comes from him. Okay, we are gonna roll into how we normally start the show. So we'll do overs and unders. And is anybody ready right off the bat?
1: Yeah, I'm ready. Uh, so to, it actually happened to me today too. So, uh, my, my kids being wild, he's running around. Um, uh, I don't remember how it started, right? Oh, like he wanted to put a headband on me, right? So he puts this headband on me, he's like you look like a handsome person, right? So not that I am a handsome handsome person, but that I look like a handsome person. Well, I said, well, I am handsome. That's why I look like a handsome person. And then he says, I said something about him being handsome, right? And then he goes, well, I'm 10 handsome and you're zero handsome. And so that was just shit on me. Right there, fucking kid.
0: Yeah. I would say smart kid, but I used to use your ID to do some things, so. I'm actually a little offended by that, too.
1: Which yeah, one was right? that? That was the five-year-old, you know. All right. All right. So, and then, so, for my over, like, I spent the weekend, uh, so I did have to work, which I don't want to use the same under two day, two weeks in a row, so I won't, but that's always an on-ride to work on Saturday. Sunday, I spent all day skiing, which is awesome, up at uh, Mountain Cross. They're, they're good. I like, I like skiing there. It's a good time. Had the kid and a few of the uh, nieces and nephews out. Nice. Tried a couple of the hills that I don't normally try. I only ate it once. It was good, good, good day. Look at that. Just enjoying that winter weather in Wisconsin. So, if you're going to be in Wisconsin, you have to find something to do with Wisconsin, think, in Wisconsin. I agree.
0: I think that's them. why. Yeah. I think that's why I hate winter so much is like, yeah. I never, I never embraced it. I think if I ever end up back there, I think I, I got to find something to embrace the winter.
1: Yeah. Like snowmobiling or skiing or ice fishing. You got, you got to find something. Yeah.
0: All right. Right. What do you got? I know you usually blow the doors off this. off yeah,
2: this pitch. Crazy week here down in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, I had a four day weekend cause there's a, big old snowstorm that uh, swept across the nation. I got like a whopping inch and a half, which means... Like, Sounds about mean, right. I, I, could <laughs> see, I, could, I could see like the top of the grass. So, I mean, it was it was quite a bit for down here, but like I got a four-day weekend out of like an, a normal day in Wisconsin. Like it was just crazy to me. So... I mean it's nice, but like the this next week's gonna be awful, just how much we miss, but that's okay. Um, my under, this is the worst. I got a new debit card because my old one expired. Now I have so many like automatic payments on there and now oh, I have to yeah. go through every one and just re oh, it's the worst, <laughs> like my car payment. I got an email. They're like, you're, you missed your car payment. I'm like, Oh shit. Like what? And then I just forgot. Like I got a new debit card and it's, it's just minor just, inconvenience. <laughs> Riley, just tell the internet what the number is, and then maybe
1: they can help you out there. Um, <laughs> there you go. Probably,
0: yeah. I'll pass on that one. <laughs> I think our 30 or 40 listeners are probably
2: pretty nice. So I don't think you would get too much stolen from. Mm, say five of them were my family, so <laughs> yeah, knock that off. Yeah, no,
0: I used to be like a chronic uh, forget my debit card at any place I went, restaurants, whether I was drinking or not. I don't know, but I'm better about that. But I've, I've definitely had that issue, and that sucks. All right, so my under for the week. I'm kind of stealing mics, so. I had to work the whole work I had to work the whole weekend so didn't get to watch any live sports uh those bucks games looked like they would have been pretty pretty fun to watch this weekend and I got none of it because I was waking up at five in the morning on the weekend and working until about five in the afternoon so my over is though, Along the same lines is that I got to drill for the first time in a long time. So I've been switching units and something's not going through. So I've just kind of been in limbo, but I was nervous about meeting my uh, new unit that I switched to down in Florida and everybody in the unit's awesome. So that was such a relief for me. Like, I had the the first day of work anxiety, like, going to meet. Like, I had a, I'd met some of the people before I joined the unit because I, I think that's just kind of what you do. And I knew they were pretty cool, but I got to spend, you know, 16, 17 hours with them this weekend. And, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the choice I made. I will miss my old unit, but I do like this unit a lot. So, moved to to a good place. So from there, we will move to spicy meatballs. And since I'm talking right now, I'm gonna lead off with my spicy meatball that is extra, extra spicy uh, to dog toy companies. So dog toy companies should not be able to call their toys tough toys if my 30 pound collie can rip through the toy in less than 30 minutes. Like, this is ridiculous. We got this duck. The dogs were loving it. I wasn't home this weekend, but uh, Gabby was telling me about it. She sent me a video of my one, the smaller dog playing with it. And he actually plays with toys, right? Like, but but my collie, like her favorite part of a toy is destroying it. But if you're going to put tough on the toy, you, you can't let my dog chew it up. Like I said, it's a 30 pound collie gets the stuffing out of this thing in less than 30 minutes. So dog toy companies, if you're out there, send your toys, like we'll be the testers for them. I'll let you know if your toy's tough, if it can last a week with my dog, if it lasts a week with my dog, I'll give you a tough toy stamp, but if it doesn't last 30 minutes, that toy wasn't that tough.
1: I agree. I had a, like a 20 pound Beagle that would rip the shit out of like toys that are meant for like pit bulls or something stupid, like large dog. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Same thing with my 30 pound puggle. They were both like Pug Beagle mix. So like, and he would just rip that shit apart. They're, they're all fucking like, they say they're, you know, the last and they never do. Oh Yeah.
0: This duck, we we did keep it because I think we're going to try to stitch it together and try to make it a tough toy. But so we caught it so, early. Yeah. The stuffing was coming out. We caught it
2: early. We're going to try to fix it. My dog does that, too. He's a 12-pound little weenie dog. But um, we have to get him cat toys now because, <laughs> like, those don't have the stuffing in it. So, I mean, God. it's got a squeaky in it still. You can still throw it, but. There's no stuffing in it so that's kind of a pro move right there yeah pro tip so you're oh, learning, look at from
0: that. A, learning from a young age so we have to go with like uh we can't even do tennis balls because those are done in less than a day so we go with like the they're like fully rubber toys that one's last so the last episode i said my dog lost his toy that he had for a long time it's like a pretzel that's like orange and made out of rubber like and he loves it that one's that one's been going for a while and it's good
1: for their teeth but so that that's my spicy meatball if he's into like uh like a ball like that a lacrosse ball might work really well because that's solid rubber that's actually a good idea yeah we might have to check into this. but I, I mean if they're not like so my dogs don't give two shits about a tennis ball oh yeah no all right Our dogs are pretty, pretty
0: good. Like they, they like toys how you would think a dog would like toys. Like I've definitely had dogs in the past. Don't give two shits about whatever toy it is. Like they don't play with it. Like, yeah, my dogs
1: are pretty old too, you know, which is part
0: of it. So, all right. Who's next? I know that one was a little hot.
2: So we're marking this, this episode, uh, Explicit for sure after that one. <laughs> I got I got the perfect one to cool it down with the spicy meatball. Um yeah. I, I'm gonna continue with the food theme. Mint ice cream is awful. It's awful. It tastes like like you break up like a little Hershey's bar and like a Listerine like ice cream, like it's awful. I mean, I don't really have much else to say, but I just kind of want your guys' opinion on that. Like, am I the only one that thinks that mint ice cream is awful?
1: It definitely is never my top choice. I'm never going to get mint ice cream for, uh, like, if I'm at Dairy Queen or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Like, uh, the Shamrock Shake, I think, is mint, too. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think I've I maybe never had one or I've had one. because i'm not getting that i'm gonna get a chocolate shake or i'm gonna get a strawberry and generally it's always a strawberry shake
0: in my opinion like i don't think matters like when when it comes to sweets i step out i let people talk about their sweets like i enjoy vanilla ice cream but i'm not a big sweets person so yeah mint ice cream no chance i'm eating it but no chance i'm eating strawberry ice cream either so (laughs) so that's that's usually an apartment I stay out of. I know my opinion is crazy because I've never talked to a person where I told them like what sweets I like and what sweets I don't like, where they haven't been like,
2: you're crazy. See, so, I have the palate of like a middle schooler. So that's kind of like my whole diet is just like <laughs> gas station food. It's <laughs> like frozen pizza still. So and that goes back to my new year's resolution. But, um, yeah, not the spiciest meatball, but. Oh, speaking of
1: your New Year's resolution, did you ask the, uh, the lady about um, crockpot uh, Italian beef?
2: See, yeah, she was. She's like, why would that be crazy? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. She goes, yeah, actually, no, my dad's never done that. So, yeah, that might be a little crazy. I'm like, okay, there it is. Yeah, I feel, I feel like, like people who like really
1: like food, really hate like convenience appliances. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a crock pot, like if you really like to cook and you're really good at it,
2: you hate like a crock pot. Oh, yeah. You got to make it like the most. I've been watching a lot of Hell's Kitchen lately, and that's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's like my complete opposite of what I do. Serving like the oven for like an hour and it's done yeah no and one day maybe we'll have like a food food episode i know we
0: had fast food with mark uh which i loved but we we could get john back on here but yeah john oh yeah being a chef like it has to be like overly complicated and 30 extra steps that i would do for like food food to even register on his radar like And it's yeah, got to have I, a weird name, like kumbachi or something. like. Even like kind
2: of doing the on. butter, like the you put like steak in a pan and you have butter and you like keep flipping it on, I don't know, basting it in butter. I like, think that's just too much work. Like, why are you doing that?
1: But, yeah, a little, little salt. That's all you fucking need. Exactly. Exactly.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> speaking
1: of Hell's Kitchen, uh, the wife watches Hell's Kitchen a lot and uh, she's like, you should try to make these eggs one time. I make them. She's like, these are terrible. I said, "What the, <laughs>
3: what what the
1: you hell?" <laughs> you know? First of all, I'm not a chef, that, but like she's like, I kind of figured I wouldn't like them, but like I wanted to see it, how they were made and if it could be done. Oh, wow. It was weird.
0: <laughs> all right, Mike, you got a spicy meatball?
1: This I do. Every everybody in the on the planet is bitching about the Washington Command. Right. They hate the Washington Commanders name. Right. Tell me, please, someone, tell me how the Bears, the Lions, the Cardinals, the Ravens, the so maybe the Dolphins are better. The Jaguars, the Panthers. Like, how are they better?
0: Dude, I think you're missing the most obvious one. So I have a I have an easy answer. Yeah, there might that.
1: be a better one, that I'm missing, right? We're we wear it. All the time. The Packers. So like, I actually respect the Packers one because that's named after a company that sponsored the pack that, that sponsored that team from the jump. The the Cardinals is like, Oh, look, that's a cool bird. Let's name our team after that. That sucks.
2: A couple like, of them it's are just, from so expansion I'm not the franchises. Like you know, like the Baltimore Colts are now the in or uh, Jesus the, Christ, Indianapolis, the, the Indianapolis, Colts. Indianapolis. I couldn't even th- But, yeah, sorry, keep going. Anyway, I'm just saying, like,
1: people are shitting on this name, right? Like, they screwed it up. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. Like, we literally have the Detroit Lions. What does Detroit have anything to do with Lions? Yeah, it's just an animal. People love animals. I Uh, get that people love animals. But, like, (laughs) the names in the NFL are not great. Like, nobody's got a great name. That's not true. I think the Dolphins is actually a really good name. It's kind of unique, right? I think the 49ers is like a perfect name. That's like perfect. Yeah, neck of the woods. If Green Bay was like the Sturgeon, they would have killed it. Like, that's a name that, like, that's that's kind of a perfect name. Like, Chicago yeah. should be like the wind or something. Yeah. I don't know. But I think, like, if you
0: don't know the Packers' backstory, you're like, what the heck's a Packer? Mm-hmm. Like, that's true. Like, But, but anyways, I would equate it to is like a group of friends. So the NFL being a group of friends and the new friend came with a haircut and it might not have been like the best haircut, but it's not the worst haircut, but you're going to catch a bunch of shit because you're the one
2: that just got the haircut. Okay. You're like what's up haircut. What's up? I, am- what's I up, was Ryan that cut? kid in middle school. So I can like, it's a two-day, three-day thing. And I think in terms of NFL, it's just like a couple-month thing you got to just kind of put up with it on social media and everybody forgets about it. Yeah.
0: not so Exactly how it's going to be. But so, I think that's I a think,
1: good so I think that names should be like very region-specific, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the Utah Jazz sucks. If you're the New Orleans Jazz, it's awesome right and I, they probably were right or right. the st louis jazz or something like that. Like if you do that i like that a lot i like the fact that the dolphins who are in miami are the dolphins i like the niners in california are the niners i like that the cowboys are in dallas i like so those are names that i like i like that the the detroit pistons are the pistons because that's a like a car. Type. It ju- i think it just sucks when you go with, like, these, like, middle-of-the-road names, right? So I think I've mentioned before that the Cleveland Guardians, formerly the Indians, went with the Guardians. I think they should have went with, like, the Erie or the Lake Monsters, right? Like, I thought that would have been, like, a pretty cool way to go about it.
0: That name would have got shit on just <laughs> yeah. as much the gar- the know they would. I know monsters. they would have
1: got, like, shit on just as much. But they're on the lake, you know, they're on Lake Erie. I think it could have been, you could have done something better than like Guardians, like because we got two statues. Well, I can build two statues anywhere I want. Yeah. No, I I I think, I I don't think people overall is that professional sports leagues should take a little bit more time and ask a few more people and get a good name.
2: I think, see, I don't know if you guys mentioned this. I was on the boat Just stick with football team. Like people already knew you by that. And it's like unique enough to where you stick out, but no, I agree. I think it should be like regional, make it worth or make it relate to your city or your region.
1: And so to be fair, I think that the commanders actually does that. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Yeah. Right. So that is kind of like a DC thing. Right. Kind of. yeah, I, I don't. Think I think that. it's very general too. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think it's worse than anything else that's.
2: I mean, it. they're going to be called the commies now, <laughs> so there's also that you got to kind of weigh. But I would wrap it. That's like. Oh
0: yeah, like, absolutely. Like the easiest way when you're getting they're already like
2: such it. a team that's made fun of so much with like their stadium and their ownership. Just own it. Yeah. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. but you know, no, I agree with you, Mike. Like I don't, I don't see why it's so mm-hmm. bad. Like they they're just getting blasted, and yeah, it's whatever. It's I sta- don't really get it, other than the analogy that that I put. Like you're gonna get shit no matter what. They could have had like the perfect team name. Like I I can't remember what uh, Houston got when they joined the league, the Texans. I mean, that's a little like redundant i guess like too much (laughs) on the nose right yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so so yeah you're never going to get away with it i think if you change change your name
1: yep and i'm okay with the texans now they should have went back to the oilers that's that's the way you should have went with it i mean that's obvious right you you have a bunch of oil i think another option for their team ESPN actually had something on how the team names were created, probably because of the Washington thing, and uh, like they wanted to do the Apollos in Houston too, which I think would have been cool. Like if that's where the space missions were kind of out of out of it, right, out of Houston, or if it was um, like the astronauts, perfect. But you you know you just these lame ass names.
0: And now after hiring.
1: Lovie Smith, they
0: should be the Houstons. We have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they should.
1: Yes, they should. They didn't hire Lovie, though, did they? I think so, yeah. Is that official?
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be official tomorrow. Right. <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> let's hope he's better than he was with the Bears, I guess, right?
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, or better than he was at Illinois.
1: Mm. Oh, yeah. I forgot he couldn't coach in the fucking college with ranks. Yeah, he just went to Illinois,
0: became Santa Claus, and didn't win many games. And then gets a gets a job in Houston. But we'll see how it goes. I like Lovey Smith from like
1: a person standpoint, from what I've seen. So, so we'll see. So, I think the big issue with Lovey Smith that I remember is that he was more concerned with beating the Packers than winning the Super Bowl, and that can never be the case. Right? You can't. Focus on that rivalry. You have to focus on winning it all. Yeah, I mean they made it. Yeah, no, it was his team, right? But
0: I, I do think though, like with with the new Bears guy coming in and being like, our our goal is to beat the Packers. Like, I think when you say our goal is to beat the Packers, it is our goal is to win the NFC North because
2: yeah, I mean, and, as, and that
0: should be your first
2: first goal i just i think it's more of this this just might be my mindset with like what position i am and with my girlfriend being a bears fan but i feel like we're more we've been so dominant we're just living in their heads that they're so it takes like a different mindset to get out of that like you need to better yourself as an organization more than just comparing yourself to your competition which i think that's what the which like the bears struggle with like they're so concerned with comparing themselves and like kind of matching other people's stuff than just trying to better themselves in general. But.
1: So if if LaFleur had come in and said, you know, like I'm really like we're going to beat the bears. People would have killed him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They would have been so mad like we don't care if you beat the bears. We want you to win a super Bowl. yeah, like that's the goal. And maybe people in Chicago did that. And I just don't know. That's also possible.
0: All right. Well, we went down the rabbit hole. I think that was spicy <laughs> meatballs that led to shitting on the Bears. So we're doing a good job as a Packers podcast. Pack. Bears still suck.
1: <laughs> Related back to the Bears suck or the Packers are great. That's yep. the goal. Yeah.
0: All right. So from there, we will lead right into the Wisconsin Minute. Riley, we are going to save Bucks in sixty seconds to the last, so we're going to go Badgers, Marquette, and then we will go to Bucks in sixty seconds. Close out the Wisconsin minute. All right, so Wisconsin. We had uh, Nostradamus on the show last week. Mike Rutz, Colin. Uh, we needed a better big guy. Riley, you were you were on to this one, but the old cock burner ripped us apart. <laughs> Man, he looked good though, like hey, I remember I, him being like a big presence, but I didn't know he was like
2: like I, that. See, I just remember watching him in the tournament and like he was last year, he was one of the most dominant big men I I've seen in the in college basketball in a while. And I don't know if it that's just because the big times kind of a slower pace tends to be a slower pace or or he's just super athletic, but he is Cockburn is a name to remember, oh, yeah. <laughs> but he, he I think he'll be, I think he's going to be really big in the, in March Madness. And he's going to be pretty good in the NBA.
0: And then, so, so just to preface that, so Wisconsin played at Illinois, uh, Wisconsin was ranked 11, Illinois was ranked 18, Illinois wins the game 80 to 67. And yeah, I, I can't remember what uh, Colburn went off for, but I want to say it was, it was, like it was in the 30s. Yeah, like 33 points. But, but yeah, he looked dominant, though. Like, he looked like he completed yeah. his his game from from what I remember. Because, yeah. uh, like, he just seemed like that guy that was, like, you know, big, getting rebounds. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, he was doing some, like, hooks. He hit some like yeah. mid-range shots. Like, is that new, Riley, or is that like?
2: See, um, and I, I just know him from watching the tournament last year. He, he just seemed like an athletic freak that ha- happened to be like seven foot one that didn't have that technical skill like you were talking about. Like, he kind of just made a presence off being big. But yeah, this year, if he sharpened up to his like actual basketball skills, you know not relying on pure athleticism. He's going to be a problem, especially in March Madness. And he had 37 points, 12 12 rebounds against the Badgers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He ripped
0: us apart. You guys called it uh, Mike. So Mike Rutz. Riley. I mean, I, re- I remember Riley specifically saying, he was like, I don't know. I know. I don't know how we're going to do against Colburn coming up this next game. So So, good call there, Nostradamus. Uh, So, I think that
1: the Badgers should have won that game.
0: 67 to 80?
1: (laughs) So, Davis couldn't hit the ocean, which is rare, right? So, I I, I don't want to, like, downplay what Illinois did to them, right? So, defensively, I think they played well. But there was a lot of buckets in that game that, like, momentum-changing buckets, too, that just didn't go down. There were open looks that the Badgers need to hit if they're going to play well. Right. And they just didn't.
0: But, but, anyways, though, like it seemed like in that game to me is like nobody else was getting going to go and Johnny Davis was trying to get going. It it was just like the first red flag thrown. And I think when we go into the next game, I think it was even a bigger red flag than, than when we need Davis. Like it just shows like, If Davis doesn't show up, like, we are the old Badgers that go on five-minute stretches of not scoring a
2: point. I think that comes back to bite us, too, in March Madness, like, not having any depth or any – I mean, we have Davis and Wall occasionally, Davidson occasionally, but besides them, we don't have anyone. So, I I think in March Madness, unless those three show up, we're losing. I think – I mean, Chucky – that could step up too. I just think that, that we're already kind of peaking a little too early. Hopefully that's not true, but I just. Maybe we'll lots slump of... and then re-peak. Yeah, hopefully. There we go. Yeah, we
0: still hopefully. got time. So we'll move on to the next game. Uh, so Badgers played two games since, since the last time. So then we played in the Cole Center. Penn State uh, ended up winning. 51 to 49 over Penn state. Uh, Johnny Davis didn't show up for this game. He just, he just uh, left and it was an old school big 10 basketball game where the, the first team to 50 was going to win that game. Uh, one thing I did like that I saw in that game is, is the player I asked uh, Mike Rutz, if anybody's going to step up, who's going to be here? Like who would it need to be for us to make a, a deep run? And Stephen Kroll stepped up in that game, and he had 13 points, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but he ended up leading the team in scoring that game. So, so maybe Johnny Davis not showing up for that game and making somebody else step up for that game. But anyways, to me, it seems like way too close of a game when you're playing Penn State at the Coal Center to win it 49-51. to 51. And yeah, Johnny Davis wasn't, wasn't doing anything. Mike, you got anything for that game?
1: I'm hoping that this is a two game slump where their shooters aren't hitting. Davis ain't hitting. And then like, we kind of come out of the funk, right? That's, that's what I'm hoping it is. I'm hoping that it's not something that the team is getting upset or like there's some turmoil in there and then we don't know what we're doing. That's so I'm hoping that, you know, we take two games would be ideal, maybe three games and just kind of piss the bed and then ride it back up. So,
0: yeah. And I mean, I'm keeping a, like they're kind of under my microscope now. So maybe it's that too. Like maybe there's, Some chinks in the armor that that you diehards out there like are like, yeah, these these dumbasses should have known like we have these issues. But I think if you go back and look, like Wisconsin's been basically, you know, cruising. I mean, they've had their close games, but it's not, I don't know, nothing scary. Like the Penn State game was more worrisome to me than the than the Illinois game. I guess other than like knowing you're gonna to have to go through uh Colburn to win the to win the big 10. So
1: but you probably have to go through him either way, right? And so playing that on the road, 13 points isn't ridiculous.
2: No, that is true. I mean, it really isn't. So I think they were preseason ranked in the top, uh, this might have been last year too, but I think they were like a top five or ten program as well, preseason. I could but be he was out for a while right that I don't
1: Colburn know was i think i think they mentioned in the broadcast that Coburn had been out for a while and that like bringing him back like they're a different team when he's there obviously mm-hmm. because he's probably he's probably a pick at the very least next year in next year's draft and I can't imagine that you wouldn't want a big like that
0: I think we're gonna find out a lot tomorrow to see how uh how they respond to to those games uh, playing at Michigan state and Michigan state's coming off just that ass whooping that Rutgers handed them. I, I actually caught more of that, that game than most college basketball games this week. And man, almighty Rutgers handled them from, from tip off to the final whistle. Like, but anyways. We'll, we'll see because I think Michigan State's a little offended that they, they go to New Jersey and get their ass kicked. So this, this is going to be a tough one. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Badgers lose it. But if they come out and beat them, I think, I think I'll be back on. We're getting to the Sweet 16, and we're getting our heart broken, the Sweet 16. But I'm going to pick us to win the tournament. So from the Wisconsin Badgers news, we're going to move on to Marquette which was more of a, of a positive note. So uh, Marquette played number 12 Villanova. Uh, It was in the Pfizer forum. They beat Villanova by 10. So Marquette started this game fast and strong and did not look back. Um, Just handled Villanova. Uh, Jay Lou had an awesome game. So Justin Lewis, I talked about him last week dude's a stud uh they got three guys that can score and justin lewis tyler Kolick. am i right there riley yeah and then, i think so then, then daryl Marcel. um they all rebounded them and then outshot them in every aspect of the game they can hit free throws they can hit three pointers i think marquette's got a team to reckon with like i got an old man standpoint like in the tournament i remember wisconsin going in the tournament one year it couldn't have been that long ago. It had to be like two years ago they didn't play the tournament, so maybe three years ago uh, where they had a real good team, and I was like, they don't hit their free throws, which is is rare for a Wisconsin team. And But, like, I was like, if, if Wisconsin's not hitting their free throws, they're not going anywhere. But, but this Marquette team, they play fast. They take those pull-up threes on breakaways. Like, they hit them. And, and maybe I just caught their best game this season because I, I was very impressed.
2: Like, they just handled uh, Villanova. You guys? Yeah, I, they um they also beat, I'm sorry, they lost to, or they beat Seton Hall in New Jersey, which is a good road win. They're always tough on the road. And then they, their only defeat was to Providence, who's first in the Big East, and they lost by two in Rhode Island. So, I mean, that's, it's probably as positive as a loss can be like they And they were up at halftime. They were sticking with them. If I were a betting man, I would say Marquette right now definitely just has a lot more of a team to put together run in March Madness. But I mean, I could be wrong with, with that, but I just think Marquette has more of a complete team.
0: No, we got some good college basketball uh, to watch tomorrow. If you're, if you're Wisconsin fans, because uh Marquette plays at 6:30 and then the Badgers play at seven. So I guess you gotta, gotta have two screens up. But like I said, Badgers are playing Michigan State, and then Marquette's playing Connecticut. So I don't know. It, it's fun college basketball to watch. Like we got we got good games. All right. From there, we will lead into bucks in 60 seconds and i don't have much for riley today so riley i hope your bucks expertise are phenomenal because i did not get to watch shit when they're on the west coast and i'm waking up at five in the morning on the east coast no chance i'm standing for that
2: yeah um so they're like you said they're in the middle of a west coast uh, road trip since we recorded they've went uh two and and they've been the Blazer or Trailblazers and Clippers. Both games are kind of blowouts. But some positives we've seen um, were some not, not key players like you know, Middleton or Giannis being top scorers or being key contribute contributors. Uh Bobby Portis has had a 27-point game and a 30-point game in these two games. Holiday and Connington have also been playing. Very well. Um, something else: the Bucks have signed Greg Monroe to attend a 10-day contract right before the trade deadline. Um, familiar face. He had a couple other offers. I don't know who from, but I think that's kind of a cool, a good sign that a kind of big-name player with other offers are picking the Bucks. Still, like I mentioned earlier, the trade deadline's on the 10th. That's uh, two days from when we're recording right now. From when you're listening, it's probably tomorrow. The Bucs seem to be looking into possibly strengthening the bench. I don't know how true those rumors are, so maybe look out for that when you're listening. Um, as of right now, the Bucks are only half a game out of first. Um, so that's kind of a good good sign from where we were last week. They just It's basketball long season. You're going to have lots of ups and downs, but... It's good to be a game, uh, half a game out of the first seed. And then, upcoming, we have, we're still on the West Coast. We're going to be playing the Lakers and then the Suns in a uh, rematch of the NBA Finals, which should be really interesting. And then we're at home against Portland and then home against Indiana. So, hopefully, we get three, two, three of those games. So, and that was
0: bucks in six D seconds from there this is the sun drop challenge i'm going to give you guys a quick update so right now we are all tied because we all lost a week so right now the tiebreaker is that i am the one that's going to be shotgunning the sun drop But it all comes down to the Super Bowl, actually, and I'm going to pick last because I'm the one doing it and I'm the one in the situation where I need something to break my way. So Mike is at negative 140 bing bongs through the playoffs. Riley's at negative 170 bing bongs through the playoffs. And I am at negative two hundred and seventy Bing Bongs wow. throughout the playoffs. The Wild Card weekend just ruined me. Like I got every single game wrong, basically, besides maybe one. But anyways, for the Super Bowl, obviously it was playing at a neutral site. Well, no, it's not. The Rams are playing at home, so we have the Rams. Minus four and a half versus the Bengals in the Super Bowl. So for a hundred bing bongs, or you win either a hundred or you lose hundred and ten. So very, very important game for the sun drop challenge. So Riley could go from not being the guy shotgunning a sun drop
2: to shotgunning a sun drop next week. Could um, you um just remind us, like, is it going to be just one sun drop no matter what or what will make it more than one sun drop? So if you lose, it's going to be two
0: sun drops. Uh If I lose, it's going to be – yeah, if anybody loses, it's going to be two sun drops, actually. Damn. So it's two sun drops no matter what because you right, will
1: lose it. the Super Bowl week. I just want to pick the same thing Pat's going to pick. Yeah, but and that's that way I, I'm good. <laughs> I'm golden. That, I feel like we
2: gotta randomize one. who's going first. Then <laughs> no, I'm going last. I'm, I'll go. I'll go first. I don't care. I them. I know who I'm, I'm picking. Again. So yeah, I, they burned I, me too many times. I honestly don't know who I'm picking. I
1: so I'll preface this that I really want the Bengals to win. like. I have no desire to see Stafford win a Super Bowl. I don't like the way that. Rams went about it by trading everything off and then, like, pushing all your salary down the down the road. Like, I didn't like it when the Bucks did it. I guess the Bucks didn't trade all their draft picks, but they just pushed everything for money wise down the road. I guess, and I don't like that. With that being said, I think the Rams do win it, and that that was a switch. I was I've been on the Bengals bandwagon from like right up until this moment, and I thought. The Rams are the Buccaneers from last year. Like they're going to take advantage of what Burrow is. Burrows is. Yeah. You know, Joe so. Burrows. Joe Burrows.
0: Yeah. And like a great D line seems to usually do the trick in the Super Bowl. So we'll see.
1: Yeah.
2: All right. Riley, who you got? See, I was, I'm complete opposite. I've been picking against the Bengals, the playoffs, and they've been burning me. So I want to pick the Bengals, but I also want to pick the Rams because I don't want to be burned. But I think I'm going to pick the Bengals. I just – I don't know if they'll win. I think they at least cover – I Joe Burrow's got so much momentum. The Bengals have so much momentum. The Bengals keep games close in general. And you know McVay's going to screw something up, like – Timing wise to keep it close. I just I think the Bengals keep it at least within four points. So I think the Bengals cover. I'm not saying they win, but I have the Bengals. See, I like it because then you guys gave me options because uh
0: you're basically out either way. No, no, because if, if I win and you lose, you're shotgunning too. So,
1: no, so I get I, that, but you're out of the shotgun. All you have to do is pick a team because if Riley loses, you won't be in last. And if I lose, you won't be in last.
0: No, but if I pick the Bengals, I'll be negative 380 and Riley will be negative 280. No, but if the
1: Bengals win, oh, yeah, I get it. Okay.
0: Yeah. So either way, so then if I pick the Rams and the Rams win, I beat Riley. But if I pick the Bengals, and the Bengals win, then I beat you. Well, no, never mind. So the smart pick for me in this this case would be to pick the Rams and and hope to beat Riley. But I'm gonna do it. We're doing a double dog in the oh, Super Bowl. Oh. Bengals are taking it home, baby. All right. Well, that will wrap up the show. Thank you guys for listening. Um, Hope you enjoy this one. Uh, Dusty was great. I had a lot of fun. We're still having fun. Episode 13, still yet to miss. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate
1: it. Yeah, Dusty was great. Uh, Thank to Jesus that uh, his grandmother was kind of petty about the lions. And uh, keep listening. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys.
2: Riley, close us out. I have nothing to say this week. I feel like I always just ramble on to what you guys just what you guys say. So I'm gonna give it to Pat for the closing line. Nope, you gotta do it. Oh gosh. Ah see, I forgot it. Something about eating shorts.
0: All right. Ah. That's that's it. All you suckers that doubt the Packers. Winning the Super eat. Bowl next year. We're winning the Super Bowl next year. If you doubt that, you can eat my shorts. Roll it. All them suckers that doubted the Packers King. eat my shorts. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can eat my shorts. Eat them. All them suckers that doubted the past can eat my shoals. Eat my shoals.